This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Hello everyone. Takaho. Selamat datang. Konnichiwa. Hola. 안녕하세요. Assalamu alaikum. And Kiora. Connecting Cultures Features is a show by and for the beautiful and diverse multicultural people of Dunedin. Join me every Friday noon for Connecting Cultures Features on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM, podcast on oar.org.nz.
Now 12 p.m. and you are listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM. Kia everyone, welcome to Connecting Cultures Features, a show by, for and about the multicultural people of Dunedin and New Zealand. Um, today we have a very special guest, um, the NZISA, the New Zealand International Students Association President, National Pres- President, um, Vikram Selvaraj. He's here today with us um, to talk about himself, uh, and also NZISA, the current state of international students in New Zealand, and all that. And I'm really looking forward to talk to him today. Kia ora, Vikram. Kia ora, Ina. Thanks for being here today. How are you? Feeling good, feeling good. I'm excited to you know share my journey and my story. So thank you for inviting me. Yeah, I'm really looking forward to get to know you as president as well. I've been good friends with Afika, um, mm-hmm. the president before you, Sabrina. Um, yep. And I was also on the NZISA uh, Rep Council back in 2020 um, mm-hmm. with Otago. Um, but like even till I graduated, I'm still like I still care about international students um, because my brother is still an international student, so a lot of things still affect him. Mm-hmm. Um, yay! So why don't you introduce yourself today? Yeah, okay. I mean, as you have already introduced myself as Vikram Savaraj, and um, yeah, I'm from Singapore, uh, and I'm also the sole breadwinner of the house. So I'm the eldest in the family, and I'm taking care of my siblings as well. And I'm studying Bachelor of Criminal Justice in University of Canterbury. I'm in my last semester. I hope to graduate in Ooh. one month time. And yeah, so yeah, that's about me, I guess. Ah, you mentioned that you're the eldest. I'm the eldest yes. as well. And you mentioned that you take care of your siblings. Um, yeah. How is that? What do you mean by uh, that? So I lost my parents when I was young. Oh. So um, so I did not have a choice. So I had to take care of my siblings. Um, and it's not an easy task, to be honest, because I lost my mom 17 years ago. <laughs> That's a really long time. And then I lost my dad seven years ago. So mm. taking up the responsibility of being just not the eldest, but becoming the parental figure in the family was a, was a tough challenge at that point of time. But I think I got... Um, what is it? Used to it. I kind of got the support from my grandmother and all, and I made sure that um, I gave my best. And I think it's I think it's a nature for the elders in the family to sacrifice, yeah. to to uh, to give the best, and, and to be a role model and all those things. So I think it was uh, automatic for me to do that. So yeah. Oh, thank you so much for sharing that with us. I think it's really brave of you to open up, and a lot of um, elders elder sibling can relate to that um like whether or not they still have parents you know it's um a responsibility i remember there was a quote that you know an eldest sibling is like the third parent of the house Mm -hmm. (laughs) um and you must have done a really good job how many siblings do you have i have two siblings so um at, when i when i had to take care of them it was they were relatively young my sister was only 
uh, 12 years old mm. and and now she has turned out to be a grown woman she's now 19 and she's doing very well and and my brother's getting married and so they have kind of you know uh, find their path and find their journey so I'm I'm just blessed and honored to you know to be part of their journey to make mm. sure that you know they are able to succeed in their life and all so yeah I'm, ha- I'm happy that they are doing well and what a special bond you have with your siblings like you have definitely been like closer to them when you took on the parent role rather than the sibling role you know uh, it, it it's kind of a mix to be honest because you know yes although I lost my parents and I my relationship with them got closer but I had to sacrifice a lot of my time with them because I had to work and everything mm. so most of the time I'm outside and also the, the the bonding session were limited compared to my parents were around because when my dad were around I and my sister often go out and all but once my my dad passed away I had to take up his role I had to go work and everything and that limited my time with my sister but I made sure that when I come back home or whenever I have a break I make sure I spend that quality time with her and make sure I understand what she's going through I think um, the only good blessing out of this whole situation was even though I lost my parents what I learned from them is the best things out of them and I try to make sure I use that with my siblings and Aww. and the way I think the way I, I interact with my sister changed a lot because when I was just a brother I was very how to say control mm-hmm. uh, possessive you know protecting my sister kind of thing but then when I had to take up my father's figure role where I when I talked to my sister it was a very different approach I asked her why she did, did kind of thing mm-hmm. but when I was brother I don't even ask why like you don't do it because you you're go. basically a parent thing you know yeah. uh. so it, it was something that I learned and I, I, I and I'm happy that I was able to take up those different heads at, at that point of time which was not easy was definitely not easy yeah. especially because I was still I was still young I was still 21 and I was still you know uh, trying to find the closure but I did not have the time. I had to make sure that you know I step up and and not dwell on the past and and the current situation, but try to make sure do what I what I can do best. Mm. You know, like no wonder why you're the NZISA national leader. It, it just makes sense because you had this leadership journey growing up. You know, your the journey you had growing up with your siblings and the things that you went through. It all just you know fall into the right spaces. I, I always love helping people. I always, um, I don't know, I feel the joy when I see someone grow, when I, when I see someone do well in their life. It just brings so much joy in me. And, and I, I think that's something that I, I uh, got it from my mom. Mm-hmm. My mom and my dad love helping people. And even if it's a small thing, my mom and dad will say, don't care how, what you can offer. But if you can offer, just give it to them. And, and, and you won't know how much it means to them. And I'll, even like even when we give, when when my, my dad was helping people when he gave money and all, I'm like, oh, but you're just giving five dollars. He said five dollars is for us, but that five dollars makes a lot of difference to that particular person. So I learned a lot of those uh, qualities and skills and those passion. And I thought, you know, once I lost them, I started to value people. I started to understand the relationship. I, and the, the one main quality I would say that I I have grown in person is love. I mm. I started sharing more love with people. I, like when. I see people even in my, my my interviews and all they ask me what what can I offer and I always all I would say is that I I can offer more love whatever I do whatever I can I can uh, do I'll give it more love kind of thing so I think that's a special quality that I've I've uh, you know taken up from them 
Yeah, and this is really good advice. I think I personally needed to hear it, um, and I can imagine the listeners out there. You know, when you hear your story, they would feel um, very um, inspired by um, your journey and how you how grown up you are now, like uh, emotionally as well. Um, thank you so much, Vikram, for sharing that. I think it's a very personal part of you, and I'm glad that you know you put it out there, um, especially in the far- first part of the interview. Um, yes. So during your intro, you also mentioned um, that you're in your final semester. Um, sorry, remind me what course was it? Bachelor of Criminal Justice. Ooh. Okay. Yep. Tell me why you're passionate about criminal justice. It's very simple. I have been passionate to become a police officer since the age of seven. Ooh. I always saw them as a superhero. Like, you know how people now have Avengers and all those <laughs> uh, superheroes and all. For me, my first superhero was uh, a cop. When I saw them working day and night, when I saw them, you know, sacrificing their time to make sure that they protect the community, I, I wanted to be part of them. I wanted to do something to contribute. And, and, and I don't know, it's just whenever I think about them, whenever I see them in the uniform, it just gives me goosebumps. You know, I become a fan. I, I'll be like, oh my God, I want to be part of it kind of thing. And and when I came here, I, I actually did not uh, came here to study. I was just here with my girlfriend. She was studying in the first place. Mm-hmm. And I came here to just explore, wanted a different scenar- uh, scenario because I lost my dad. And then I thought, okay, this will be a good opportunity to, you know, come out from Singapore, explore and everything. And when I was here, uh, my girlfriend uh, told me, hey, they have uh, this particular course that you might be interested so what do you want to know? And that's when I saw criminal justice. And so criminal justice came at that point in time. So it was a pretty new course. Mm. So when I heard about what kind of causes they offer and what kind of papers they offer, I was like, it matches my passion. So, you know, about human services, psychology, mm. you know, forensic science and, 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 and gangs and all those things where you where you always only hear from the media and, and, and television and all kind of thing. But now I'm able to learn and study in depth and understand the, dif- the different perspectives. So I was like, you know what? I want to go for it. I want to just give it a go. So that's how I started my journey. My journey was very unique. I did not come here to study. It was just other way around yeah but, like the course found you <laughs> instead of you so she yeah, would of course but, but basically just i just want to become a police officer but yeah um i'm happy that i'm doing the course yeah no that's amazing like you it was a dream when you were seven and like yes. yeah like some people they don't have that you know they they dream of something when they were seven and then you know blah, 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 and then they turn out to be something else but you really I, wanted to be that yeah, but but to be honest, I was also in the same boat as everyone. I even though I dream and passion, I had the passion to become a police officer. Over the years, I moved to different field. I this is my second degree actually. Ah. My first degree was business management, so I was interested in business and everything. But then when I came here, I kind of found my deep passion again. I was like, no, this is where I actually want to be, and this is what I really want to do, and that's why I started studying uh, Bachelor of Criminal Justice again. Huh. Is it because like you couldn't find that specific degree course anywhere else like yes. yeah yes. 
even in Singapore, like we have law, Bachelor of Law is everywhere, but you don't have Bachelor of Criminal Justice. So it was a pretty unique course. It's very and specific. Very, yeah, and, and very relevant to what I want to understand. More than what I want to be, I wanted to understand more. I want to understand what uh, what does the police officers does and, and what, what they do and all kind of thing. So I think this, uh, this course was pretty uh, specific and, and I think it aligned to my passion. That's amazing. I think I could relate to that. I um, finished um, high school thinking I would love biology because I love learning about like uh, female reproductive system versus males, you know, things like that. Um, but then when I came to Otago, they offered gender studies um, and human sexuality, which is basically what I actually wanted to do, not anatomy. I don't want to. I don't really care about the anywhere else, like in the body, um, but. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's like those opportunities, they don't come so often. Mm-hmm. And when you saw like, oh my God, this is the course that I want, you know, you just went for it. And good yep. for you, honestly. It's like a really positive thing and um, encouraging thing for people as well. Um, students, you know, future students. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I think and one, one main reason I'm really proud of my journey is uh, this is a dream of my mom, actually. Mm. My mom always wanted me to study overseas. And and now to think back that I'm actually studying in overseas, uh, even though she's not here for 17 years, I I'm I'm proud that I have still keep her dream alive, yeah. and yeah, so I'm I'm really proud of my journey because it's not easy. Uh, like like I said, when I came here, I was not thinking of studying, but then now I'm studying. I'm going to graduate in June, Ooh. and to to think about it, I'm just really happy that I was able to keep her dream alive. Yes, exactly. She she would be so proud of you, and I know she is. Mm. Um, yes. So I feel like we've talked a lot about um, your story and also yep. your studies. We might go on a song break before we go on to talk about your cultural identity, because uh, yep. that's like a very integral part of the show, Connecting Cultures. Um, so can you share with us one of the songs you brought for us? So the first song that I recommended was uh, the title uh, teaser of a name called Vikram as well. It's Ooh. a movie. It's a song named called Vikram. So it's it's it. Um, I listen to the song whenever I'm running, whenever I'm go for exercises. It just pumps my blood, and it's just nice to hear. So that's my favorite song at that's the moment. Perfect. You know, it's a co- name. It's a song with your name on it, and it's a good intro to the show. Um, so we'll be right back after the song break. Hey, 
on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina and I'm here with Vikram. Hi Vikram. Hello. Yay. Um so Vikram is the NZISA New Zealand International Students Association National President. Um so before the song break we talked about his journey, his studies. Um and now we want to talk about his cultural identity. I just found out you're from Singapore. So I'm from yeah. Malaysia, so we're basically neighbors. Um, yeah. So let's talk about your cultural identity. Um, you did mention a bit about how you got to New Zealand, uh, but mm-hmm. let's talk about Singapore. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think Singapore is... Um, I'm really proud to call myself as a Singaporean, to be honest, because you know um, when I came here, I really miss the uh the culture back in singapore because we are very diverse we are very diverse and and the technology wise in singapore is just amazing and 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 um i think it's fast moving pace country in, in in especially in asean countries and and one thing i like about singapore is that singapore is just a dot like in the map in the world map you just it's a dot but you know the amount of economy we bring in to the to the world and and, and the things that Singapore is really doing, I'm really proud to see how Singapore has grown this far in a short period of time. We we only got independence like 50 over years, but you know in this short pay, uh, space we have done so much, and I think it's it's nice to see that and to to call myself I'm a Singaporean. Uh, I really I really I'm really proud of that. Mm, and as a Malaysian, I'm very proud of my neighbor. <laughs> um, like. Uh, because Malaysia is so close to Singapore, I usually go there for holidays and that's the only time I get to like, wow, you know, it feels like a really different world because of how innovative and like how city and how fast paced, you mentioned fast paced, yeah. uh, Singapore is. Um, so when was the last time you went home? Uh, four years back. Ooh. So it's been four years before COVID and everything, obviously. But um, yeah, it's been four years. And one thing I do miss a lot is, I think even you can relate, would be the food. Yeah. <laughs> the food like in, in, in our home country is something that I miss. Mm. Uh, but but I, I love the culture in New Zealand as well. But, but it's just that, you know, certain things that you have grown up with, you mm. do miss sometimes. So yeah, I do miss the food a lot. Mm. Um, and your siblings, are they back in Singapore? Yes, they are, they are back in Singapore, but we do have, uh, I mean, I talk to them regularly. Mm. So I talk to them almost every week and also, uh, I don't really miss them, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I talk to them a lot. So it's like, I, don't, I don't see that I don't see them kind of thing. I do yeah. talk to them, so it gives me that uh, the vibration of I'm with them kind of thing. Yeah. So because they, they update me about their daily life and what they're doing kind of thing. So I, I know almost everything. So the only thing that I, I can't relate is when they eat nice food. They're yeah. like, oh, I'm going to eat seafood. I'm going to eat this. I'm like, I didn't ask you that. I asked, oh, I don't tell me. Don't, what you're don't doing. tell me. You know, I don't want to know. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think I can relate to that as well. Like when my family goes to like have family gatherings and they started like posting photos of the food, like, you know, like I, you, I don't want to be in this group if you keep doing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's great that, you know, you are keeping in touch with your uh, siblings back home. Do you have any plans to visit them? Now that borders uh, are open, prob- probably next year. Mm. The only reason why I didn't want to go back this year is because of my role. I just want to make sure that I'm here for my students and my my execs and all, mm. just in case if anything happens, at least I'm there to support them and everything. So I would I actually sacrificed my holidays uh, to be here because my my girlfriend went back to Singapore in. Uh, I think three weeks ago ah. so she's been in Singapore for holiday and everything and she wanted me to come I said I'm sorry I need to be here because of the role that I'm doing because if it's some other role that it I can I can do it online that's different but if it, this is something that I need to be here to understand and make sure that I'm, I'm connected with the students so I thought no I can do it next year so yeah I'm, mm. I'm probably going next year yeah and you know as a as the president I think that's a very good uh, mindset as well um, like we, I wish we have more precedents like that you know not not just like inside it's like any kind of precedent um, good for you um, and I think once you've finished with this role you'd feel a lot more lighter and you can just like have fun when you go back you know you won't have to think about the things in New Zealand um, yes mm. yes definitely definitely especially with the role that I'm doing uh which I will share later on it's it's not been easy but yeah definitely I'll, I'll feel a lot lighter mm-hmm. definitely um yeah so you came to New Zealand because you followed your girlfriend. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a very yeah. interesting um, story. Um, what was your first impression about New Zealand? You were there as a tourist um, at yeah. first, right? Mm. Yeah, yeah. It was it was very different, to be honest. When Because when I came to New Zealand, I came to Christchurch straight away. So I've never went to Auckland or Wellington prior to, to all these days. So when I came here, I went to Christchurch. And Christchurch was very quiet and, you know, it's like a small town kind mm. of feel, mm. and, and and when I saw uh, the place, I was like, okay, am I really in, in New Zealand? Because mm. I, I I always thought New Zealand has a like busy vibe as well, like Singapore mm. for some reason, like because I always go to Malaysia as well. So Singapore, Malaysia, and most of the countries that I went is always busy. But when I came here, it was really quiet at five because I reached uh, New Zealand at I think four thirty five. So I went back to the motel to change and go for dinner. At eight thirty nine, uh, they said there's no restaurants open. <laughs> I was like, "What? What am I supposed to do now?" And then the uh, the Uber driver was so nice. He was a Kiwi. He said, "I'm so sorry. This is how we work here. Um, you can go to a supermarket, uh, which is the New World." So I went to New World and I got a bread and cornflakes. Oh and a milk. no, that's your dinner. <laughs> yeah, and and I think that was a shock. But um, and also the accent. When I came, mm. the first thing I could not understand was the accent. Because although they were talking English, I was talking English as well. But it was very different. So, mm. because I brought my dog as well. I brought my dog from Singapore. Ah. And so, when I was, uh, you know, coming out from the customs, they were like, oh, uh, do you have a pit? I was like, pit? No, I don't have a pit. Like, no, you have a pit. I was like, no, I, I don't have a pit. No, your name, your pit named Tiger. Oh, you mean pet? Yes, I have a pet. <laughs> Kind of thing. So I was like, oh, okay. So the I sounds like, you know, the E sounds yeah, like yeah, I. Yeah. So that was really, um, you know, different and unique. And then another one that I was shocked was the second day when I went to the warehouse. Uh, so I came in, in the summer 
and when I went to the warehouse, a lot of people often don't wear their jandals. We call it as slippers. Mm-hmm. They call it jandals. Where they don't wear jandals. I was like, whoa, what are they doing? They don't. They're not wearing their slippers outside, but they wear slippers. I mean, the jandals inside home at the home. Yeah. So I was like, okay, that's different because in like in an Asian country, we do it the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> we, we need to wear our footwear outside and then make sure we take out our footwear inside. Yeah. So it was a different culture. So a lot of things I was very um you know. Uh, surprised to learn but I kind of got used to the flow of the culture uh, seems like you were very observant as well when you were a visitor <laughs> I mean because you come as a tourist you just want to explore you just yeah. want to you know, learn more about things so when I started seeing people the way they talk the way they dress up and everything I was like okay that's something new that's something not we don't we don't do it in, in home country kind of thing yeah. so yeah yeah that's so funny um and at one, what point uh, during your tourist era, like how many weeks was it till you um, became a student? Uh, to be honest, one year. Oh, you were touring for a year. Yeah. So, uh, so I was a tourist for like three months and then I got the partner's work visa. Ah. Uh, because she was studying and so I was able to get a partner's work visa so I took that I was working one of jobs and all kind of things so while I was doing that I think uh, almost in October that's when university had this course and she told me hey uh, would you want to do it next year I was like oh okay if I'm going to do next year that means we are both going to be studying the same campus then they were like yeah then we we're like okay this is not part of a plan but mm, why not so yeah, yeah. Oh, that's great. You know, I, I feel like you and your girlfriend like support each other with like your oh, journey. Yeah. That's a really Definitely. good relationship. Mm. Yeah, yeah, because we have been together for seven years. Wow. And, and, and she has supported me in my ups and downs, especially mm. in my downs. So uh, the relationship that I have with her is very personal and very close. And I'm really thankful and blessed to have her in my life. Oh, that's amazing. And I hope that, you know, you can go back and see her when she's, because she's now in oh, she's coming back. She's oh, coming she's back in two weeks time, yeah. Oh, she was just for a holiday. Yeah, yeah she went there for a holiday and she's coming back. Okay, yay! Yeah. <laughs> so you guys are not separated. Yeah. Uh, cool. Um, um, so when you were an international student, what were the hardships that you did experience? I think the common one is financial. Financial is always the, the biggest hurdle that we face, especially because, you know, when I was working, I did not have any restrictions of, uh, you know, the working hours and all. But once you start studying, you ca- you can only work 20 hours and not every particular uh, companies would like to take you. They're yeah. looking for someone who has experience, someone who can work full time. So the struggle was real. So in fact, I was finding for a job almost like seven months or eight months until um, Christmas. That's when they had all the casual jobs that they're looking for part time. That's when I got a job. So and finding for a job and, and, and just financial hardship was, was just a big burden for any student. And also not having your family, especially. No, not having a family to talk to, to, to you know, to um, to share your concerns and problems is always hard. And, and the other problem in as being an international student is that the support systems that we get here is always limited. You don't get a lot of support systems. Like, for instance, when I talk about financial, like you can't get a loan here. You can't apply for loans. You can't apply for grants and everything. So it's very limited and, 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 and it's been hard to be an international student from my first year so I, that's one particular reason I wanted to become uh, to be to be part of national um, 
uh, association as well is to advocate and and bring more awareness about the support systems and how much we can actually offer so yeah Mm, that's great you know you reflected on your personal experiences and you probably don't want anyone else to experience the same way um i think that that's what makes you a great president when you know how it's how it's like to be like an outsider um coming to new zealand it's new you don't know what to do um so it's really great thank you so much vikram for sharing that with us um I think it's a really good time to talk about NZISA, you know, why we are really here. Uh, but yeah. before we do that, let's go on a song break. Um, you brought a second song for us today. Yeah, um, the second song I recommended was um, called Very Moody, so, which is a lovely melody song, which is just nice to listen when you are going for a night drive. So I listen to that song when I'm going for a night drive. Yay! Okay, that is perfect. Um so we'll be right back after the song break. Kadalai pesidum vaarthegal yavum thuliyai thuliyai kurayum maunam pesidum bhashegal mattum purindidume Ullahi, 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 
Back on Otago Access Radio 105.4 FM. I'm Arina and I'm here with Vikram. Hi, Vikram. Hi, Arina. Yay. Um, so we had a really good chat about your journey um, and your international student experience. I think it's very important that we talk about, um, you know, what was it like before you went into NZISA? Um, because, you know... Like we all had our experiences as international students, and they're all different. But there are trends on like the challenges that international students face. Um, so before we talk about NZISA as an organization, could you tell us about the current state of international students nowadays? Um, it's a unique situation that we are living at the moment because I think no one expected COVID to happen. No one expected pandemic to even uh, to be even a term, and 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 for international students to go through that experience and and not able to go back to their families to reconnect with them, and to be isolated, and you know, to, and 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 some of them even lose their uh, loved ones through COVID. So I think it's a it's a journey that. Um, People never expect, but people uh, became stronger. People started to connect with uh, with others and and tried to make sure we support each other. I think an, an international students are uh, someone who is very brave. I always, whenever I see a fellow international student, I always feel very proud of them because you know it's a journey, it's a step. It's not easy to take to come to a foreign country to to you know put your identity out there and and trying to establish a journey and trying to dream and and do what they can do is, is just amazing and yeah i'm just proud to even call myself as an international student as well because it's not a it's not easy at all mm, i love that you put it out there saying that international students are brave um there used to be a lot of narrative when i was in a student that uh oh international students are rich kids privileged rich kids who have money to study overseas but a lot of things that people don't know is that we came here for a better life you know you don't know the journey how what it was like before um and we came yeah. here seeking for a better future and yeah. um with what money we have in our yes. savings yeah. um, and, and and i totally agree with you because i think almost 85 percent or 90 percent of of the international students that we have here most of them come here to have a better life and most of them want uh, and they are not having the money to spend they're in fact trying to you know arrange funds it's not like they have their 150,000 to 200,000 just to you know splurge in a in an education they in fact had to take up loans they had to they had to you know uh, do financial arrangement in their back home and that kind of thing so it's not easy like even for myself even for most of my friends out of all of my 10 friends nine of them had to take financial loans and all like we had to take up loans to study here so it's not like we are rich it's just that we want to have a better future so that you know our future generation will have a better life kind of thing yeah i love that it's a, it's a sacrifice you know for um for being an international student hopefully to be a migrant you know um yeah that's um something very um important for us to mention before we go on to talk about nzisa so um yeah Tell us about NZISA, everything about it. 
So this year, uh, NZISA has been established for five years. So I'm the fifth president of NZISA. And I'm, I'm sure that you know what NZISA has done in the past and, and, and the journey they had. And I'm, I'm really proud to be part of this association because um, this association is not affiliated with, with any government. We're not affiliated by any organizations. We are independent. We are there to advocate purely for international students. We are there to you know, encourage, bring their voice to the national level. And, 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 and I think it's very important for us to have this association because you know often when you're an international student you feel alone you feel like no one's going to hear you all no where am i supposed to get my support so i think NZISA has done an amazing job by you know advocating for international students and their well-being throughout the past past four years and now the fifth year that i am the president Mm, that's um, really good, you know. I I just realized that yeah, it's, it's, it's a new, new, it's quite new. It's like, and I know like Lucas, like I've seen yeah. it um, during its formation, and seeing that you know now it's the fifth year. Like wow, you know, you guys are still going strong, and I'm really glad that there is that representative voice uh, for uh, international students. Mm-hmm. So how many people are there in your executive? So I think this is the first time we have nine members. Mm. So myself, president, vice president, treasurer, um, secretary, public relations officer, campaigns officer, education officer, women's officer, and we have student voice uh, relationship manager as well. Ah, that's really yeah. good. You know, um, it's been a while since we had like a full nine yeah. nine person committee. Yeah, yeah I'm yeah. sure it's more effective now that you know. Things can yeah. be scattered. And I think this year we are trying to do, we're not just trying to do one particular goal. We are trying to achieve a lot of other things because we have a big team now. We want to have more, we want to do more tasks and trying to establish NZISA um, in many um, universities as possible. Mm. So what is your aim as president this year? So I think, you know, like my journey as an international student, I saw the lack of, you know, awareness lack of uh, support systems and everything and even for myself i only got to know about nzisa through um google search like i was trying to find is there any association that i can talk to kind of thing and now and when i got to know about nzisa and i think that particular year nzisa came to uc they tried to have a collaboration and then they they signed an mou and uc was part of nzisa and i think one of my main purpose of um being the president here is to actually bring awareness for our international students about what we do and what we can offer. Because often one one common mistake a lot of students do is that they think that we are the decision makers. We are not. We are there to advocate. We are there to support them. We are, we are there to bring their voice to the national level. Because sometimes it not, it's not easy. It's not easy to talk to government and it's not easy to, 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 to bring a change. But we are there to make sure that we can advocate. We can make sure that their voice is being heard. I think that's that's um, very important for them to know and and also to empower uh, you know uh, university students as well to know that you know they can come and approach us at any point of time and they can you know seek help and everything I think that's that's our main purpose this year I think and especially for the past two years I think NZIC has done an amazing job throughout COVID but now we are going to go post pandemic and now it's going back to in-person sessions in-person meetings and everything so I think this year we are trying to do a roadshow as well mm-hmm. so where we are actually going to meet our students in person so that is going to happen late September in October 
so i think that's what we are trying to do is to establish a relationship again to welcome back you know and and just say hi to them That's really good. I love that you called it a road show. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, uh, I'm sure you'll be visiting like different universities. Um, I think it's really great to have like a physical presence because um, that's when it's, you know, when people put faces to names and like, you know, when they actually see um, you, mm-hmm. they'd feel a lot more comfortable to open up, you know, because you're yeah. an international student. Everyone on the executive member, uh, well, are or yeah. used to be an yeah. international student. Um, really good. Yeah. Um, so what are you looking forward to in the future? The, I mean, for NZISA? Anything. Yeah. Um, one thing I'm trying to, you know, achieve out of this is, is a change, you know, you know, there's a lot of uh, struggles as international students and especially for their rights and for their, for their welfare and everything. And I think I'm in a position where I'm, I'm honored. I'm, I've given a, a privilege to actually make a change, to, to talk to people who can make the change. So I want to make sure I use that position wisely and responsibly to talk to them and say, hey, this is what international students need. You know, you should reconsider the structure that you guys are proposing and these are the things that we should be doing kind of thing. I think because we can't often blame just the organizations or government straight away. In fact, we need to have the discussions and I think that's what NZIS is doing. Make sure to have the discussions with them and productive and constructive discussions where we can make a change and I think that's something that we um, as association trying to do and establish is also to establish a relationship as well and we are trying to uh, change like you know one of the main changes that we are trying to advocate this is the um, the um, discrimination and racism because mm. that's something that happens for a lot of international students and there's not there's no proper uh, procedure or process of complaint or accountability and i think that's what nzis is trying to you know change or advocate for and we are also advocating for the um the sexual health where people are not able to you know get support because the insurance doesn't cover sexual health kind of uh, test kits and everything so i think that's that's something that we are working on and and and, and all the general uh, welfare and advocacy for the students mm. now nah, that's great um also i I love that you mentioned about sexual health. I think that was like a struggle for a lot of international students. Like, yeah. oh, you think that, you know, health covers like everything, but mm. no, like sexual yeah. health, as if, you know, international students don't need to care about sexual health. Well, they do, you know. Um, yeah. So good for you for um, advocating about that this year. Thank um, you. Yay. So one last part from the interview yeah. that I really want for us to talk about its well-being. Uh, it seems like you are a very busy student. Um, you're in your final uh, semester. Things are getting like fast. Um, you're also the national president. And, you know, they were, there was a time when you were supporting your siblings, you know, as a parent, a young parent. Um, how is that like? You know, how, how do you maintain like this positivity and for your well-being? This is something that I do share with a lot of people is to believe in yourself. I believe in what I can do. I because 
the world is there to judge you straight away. People are there to just, you know, criticize you or give comments or even label you. But one thing I learned throughout my journey is to never accept those criticism, never accept those, you know, labeling. I mean, if it's constructive, if it's something that will grow you as a person, take it to change it. But if it's something that people don't understand you and, you know, label you for, for whatever they think of, I think we should not accept that and we must, you know, um, believe in ourselves. And, and I self-motivate myself a lot. There were times that I struggled. There were times that I cried a lot. There were times that, you know, I was, I had suicidal thoughts. I had, you know, a lot of those, you know, phases that I went through, you know, was hard. But over the years, all I did was to believe in myself and, and, and not to give up and not to, you know, to look at the long-term goal is to, you know, to have a successful life. And, and some, when, I, when I say success, it can be anything. It doesn't have to be a particular success. Success, depending is on what you feel success. For me, being part of university journey is a success. You know, those are success. It doesn't have to be, I got a graduate, I got a cert, that's success. It's different, it's different for people. And I think you, we should not compare as well. We should not, because your journey and my journey is very different. And your, your hardship and my hardship is different. But, I, but all we need to do is celebrate our, our, our journey. And, and I think that's what I've done. And also one thing I did was to actually seek help. You know, when you know you're struggling, seek help. Because I lost my dad because of depression. He, he started drinking a lot of uh, alcohol and everything because he was not able to talk to people. But I saw that and, and it was hard for me because I was there to talk to him, but he was not able to you know, reach out to me because Asian mentalities, you know, he's a father figure. He can't talk to, you know, the son kind of thing. But for me, I wanted to break that trend. I seek help. I talk to my sister. I talk to my brother. I, I keep myself vulnerable. I keep myself vulnerable to people to say, hey, I'm struggling. I'm really down. I need help. Even to my execs, I tell them, hey, I'm struggling. Um, it's been overwhelming. I just need your support. And and doing that makes a lot of things better and easier because you can't assume people know you. You have to tell them that you are struggling. Hey, I can't take this. Can you help me? And that's when you know people are there to support you and everything. I think that's what I've been doing all these years and just self-motivating, self-belief and, and just not give, not giving up in your life. I think it's very important. Mm. I love the point about vulnerability, especially for you as a president. I think it's very, um, you know, inspiring for you as the national president to say, you know, I'm struggling, I need help. You know, saying I need help um, isn't something so normalized like in Asia. Like you mm-hmm. can't like admit your um, the things that you can't do. Um, but I'm glad that you said that you wanted to break the cycle. You know, um, it's really great that because you had you have a personal experience with your dad, um, and you want a better life for you and you know future generations ahead. Um, so you know, it's really great talking to you, Vikram. Today, um, you've definitely inspired me, and I'm sure a lot of other people listening as well. Thank you. I think uh, just to sum up. To summarize the whole well-being, I have three love that I would like to share. So love yourself, love others, and love what you do. Because when you love yourself, no matter what criticism you have and no matter what obstacles you have, if you love yourself, you will overcome it. And if you love others, you respect them and you you enhance them and you value them. And, and that will create a good you know, relationship. And when you love what you do, no matter how hard the job is on hand, you tend to give your best because you love what you're doing. So I think that's that's my two cents. Just love those three things. Mm. And 
will be good. Such good advice and three things I can definitely remember. <laughs> yeah. uh, thank you so much, Vikram. It's so nice meeting you today. Thank you so much. Thank you for inviting me and, and you know, able to share my journey. I think it's nice to, you know, talk to people like you and share my, my journey with, with other students as well. So yeah. thank you so much. We can support each other like this. If there's any time when you need to uh, share anything on radio, you know, that you can contact me. Thank you. I will definitely. Thanks for listening to Connecting Cultures Features on RFM.
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.